You are listening to Restoring the Branches Ministries. Our mission is to reconnect Yah's people to the root and truth of his word. We have been called to take Yah's healing to the nations, remove the stumbling block out of the way of his people, and teach as well as model the importance of serving the living Elohim in spirit and in truth. We live by Romans 15 and 4, for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Hey, so I love the Tanakh. It is his richness and it's just vastness and nothing take away from the Brit. But today we'll be in the Brit Hadashah and uh, for the most part of this and talking about a house swept clean and um, afterwards, if uh, it's five, 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 I ain't gonna be up here for no three hours. So we might not get to no sundown. So we may have to count the old mayor um, at your own homes. Uh, but remember, there is a link on um, on band to the Chabad uh, website with the date, get the correct date, or uh, you can just download the My Old Mayor app to help you as well. <clears throat> so, and maybe I will be up here for three and a half hours. No, hope not. So let's pray real quick before we uh, get started. Father, we just thank you again for another day. We thank you for your grace and mercy uh, that continues to pursue us. Uh, we thank you for your faithfulness, even when we're unfaithful, Father. We thank you for uh, your lovingness, even when we uh, don't even want to be loved and don't want to love others. Father, we thank you for your charitableness, Father, even when we, um, even when our eye is stingy, Father, you, can, you continue to be charitable um, upon us, Father. So we just thank and we praise you, Father. We don't deserve anything that we get from you, Father, uh, because we're unclean, continually unclean, Father, but you continue to clean us off and wash us with your word, Father. And we thank you for it, Father. Uh, we don't come to you um, on any kind of merit of righteousness of our own, Father, because we know that we don't even deserve it, Father. But we come to you in the merit of your son, Yeshua, the Messiah, who hung on a tree for our behalf, Father, that, he, that we may take, that he may take away the sin in our life, the violation of Torah in our life, Father, that we may walk righteously um, uh, before you, Father, that we may walk upright, Father, Yeshar, that we may walk upright before you, Father, all the days of our lives. So we thank and we praise you. Uh, we pray that you be with us on today, Father, that you fall into this place, Father, knowing that Shabbat is one of your Moedim, a time where you come and meet with us, Father. So we're asking that you come and meet and speak with us on today as we go through um, the testimonies, Father, of those who uh, walk with your sons. So we thank and we praise you for all these things. Yeshua HaMashiach's mighty name, Amen. All right, so a house swept clean. So uh, there's only a, if you do medical research, if you're in the medical field, scientists here in the medical field, uh, you will have learned, and Miss Bev too, who is not here, uh, they will contest that when you do your studies in the medical field, that uh, the, one of the few things that you do learn is that the, the Israelites of antiquity uh, were one of the cleanest cultures in the known world. They just, they were clean, like beyond clean, right? Um, and one of the times where they got clean, clean was during the time of unleavened bread, during the time of Pesach. Uh, they would literally, as we know, sweep their houses clean. Um, that was during a time, as we know, of spring. I believe that's probably where they got spring cleaning from, because most stuff is stole from God's word anyway and given somebody else. But uh, they probably got spring cleaning from that time, because Israelites during the spring, they didn't get to clean it and sweep their house clean. Um, we have one passage, particularly in the New Testament of the Brit Hadashah, uh, in Matthew 12, 43 to 45. Um, and as I was reading this, I was like, man, that sounds mighty familiar. Um, I know in other, other vernaculars, they try to 
super over hyper spiritualize this, but uh, I believe he was really talking about the time of Pesach. Um, let's just read it. So Matthew 12, 43 through 45, this is the, uh, uh, the TLV version. It says, now when an unclean spirit goes out of a man and passes through waterless places looking for rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will go back home where I came from. And when it comes, it finds the house vacant, swept clean and put in order. There's only one about one time a year that we actually purposely do that. Then it goes and brings along seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they go in and live there. And that man's last condition becomes worse than the first. So also will it be for this evil generation? So first of all, this uh, denote demons or unclean spirits uh, within the New Testament or the Brit Hadashah. Um, I got this from, I want to believe, the Jewish Virtual Library. Um, you can look that up on the Internet. It has a bunch of, uh, bunch of cool uh, content and resources for you there. The, the Jewish Virtual Library. So it says demons in New Testament it says New Testament demonology is part in part reflects all oh, that TVing up over there. OK, new part uh, reflects commentary, contemporary popular belief, which turns up also in rabbinic literature and in part the dualism attested in the sectarian literature from the Qumran. Demons are called unclean spirits. So if we go back says now when an unclean spirit so when he's talking about unclean spirits he is specifically talking about a demon uh or evil spirits as rabbinic literature they are believed to inhabit waste places so that's why when you go to your talmud and you read uh the the uh the rabbis would caution you to not enter empty buildings like those places are filled with unclean demonic spirits go in there leave those places alone so, let's um, see, possession by demons causes or is associated with various sicknesses, especially those in which there is a perversion of the human personality. Um, so we're talking about schizophrenia and all those different things. Um, so that the demon, not the man himself, directs his acts and speech. So we look at the Mark um, 1, 23, 26, 9, 17 through 9, and we'll get to those as well later. But we, uh, the, the father who brings his son to Yahshua and says that this, this demon is controlling his speech, his movement, and all of his actions. Remember that? He's convulsing and throwing them against walls and all this kind of stuff. And said so the story of how Jesus cured a demonic by sending a legion of unclean spirits into a herd of swine illustrates vividly the persistence of very ancient popular belief as does the parable of Matthew um, chapter 12 43 through 45 which is read in which the unclean spirit after wandering through the wilderness takes seven devils with him on the other hand in the New Testament lesser demons have little independent personality or power but are subject to a prince Beelzebub or Satan or Hasatan and the demonic is often presented not as something occasional and relatively harmless but as a cosmic reality of great importance the enemy of God and man. So Beelzebub is a name um, applied to the chief demon by both Yahshua and his opponents. Um, the correct explanation of the name is much disputed and new evidence from uh, from Ugart, Uagrate, 
has not completely cleared up the etymology. The spelling Belzebub reflects the identification of Belzebul, Baal Zabub, god of Ekron. Uh, there were two different original forms, Beelzebub, meaning Baal, uh, Baal is prince or lord of the shrine, and Belzebub, lord of the flies. All right. So the unclean spirits are demons who carry out the orders of their master. They and their master are enemies of God and his people. Their primary job is to destroy you, to kill, steal and destroy. All their lies lead to your destruction. All their lies, whether it be lies of religion, uh, lies of who you are, who you ain't. Um, lies of what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing, where you should be going. Um, lies like, hey, his word is done away with. We know that's a lie. Um, lies like you are nothing and he can do nothing with you. We know that is a lie. Uh, those lies are meant to destroy you. They are the authors of lies and sin, as Yeshua would tell the people. They said, hey, we are of Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage. Well, we know Abraham's seed was in bondage, so which son are you talking of? Are you talking about Isaac? Are you talking about Ishmael? Which one are you talking about? I bet you they wasn't talking about Isaac. But they were the author of lies and sin. Following or slash listening to those unclean spirits leads to your downfall. So let's read 1 John 3, 4, and 9. <clears throat> I've been harping on this uh, lately, one of my favorite passages. I uh, reference it a lot, and I'm sure you haven't heard a lot this week, from the community Passover to Passover to all these different things. But 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 through 9. 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 through 9. It says, whoever committeth sin transgresses also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. To make it plain, sin is the violation of Torah. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins or violation of Torah. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither know him. Little children, let no man deceive you. Let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, Beelzebub, the demons, the lies. So he that violate Torah is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. Go all the way back to the garden. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever is born of God do not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So when we come into this way, as we learn, as we go to the feast cycles, um, as we come to our Bible studies, as we come to Shabbats, um, as you go to your temple, your synagogue, your assembly, whatever you call it, wherever you're going, the whole purpose is that we get a deeper understanding of our foundation, which is Torah, so that we no longer transgress against the living God. All right. That's the goal. So sin is evidence of an unclean spirit that has been has not been dealt with. Sin is evidence of an unclean spirit that has not been dealt with, because if you've been living longer or long enough, 
Not you yet, Rue, but you get there. But if you've been living long enough, you'll notice a pattern in your life. You'll notice that you struggle with the same thing over and over and over and over again. You understand that, especially as you get older, you struggle with the same sin. You fall into the same ditch, the same pothole, over and over and over again. There's an unclean spirit that has yet to be dealt with. Let's continue, let's continue building. So what are some unclean spirits in the Bible? So let's look at it. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 20. Uh, Y'all got mics? I know I took one of them. All right. Okay. All right. So, Moray, can you give me Galatians 5, 19 through 21? Uh, Deacon, can you give me 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10? And I'll read Exodus 20 because I probably left out a verse I was supposed to put on there. The book of Galatians, fifth chapter, 19th verse. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, mm -hmm. adultery, fornication, uncleanness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and Ooh. such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of Elohim. So Paul there lists a list of unclean spirits, characteristics, that when they attach themselves to you, they control literally what you do. So Paul's just not listing uh, uh, sin. He's listing someone's characteristics. He said, this is what you used to be. So you were being that, right? Uh, Deacon, go ahead with 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall, uh, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So now we look at Exodus 20, which we know this is where the Ten Commandments were given when Moses was up on the mountain. Um, so we'll read. Um, and this is not directly. So those first two scriptures were direct. These are unclean spirits. But we also know that we just read previously that unclean spirits do the opposite of a clean spirit. Their job is to tell you lies so that you will destroy yourself. So the easiest way to tell of an unclean spirit is first recognize what a clean spirit looks like. So if we are living a clean and righteous life, we should be walking uh, toward Exodus chapter 20. It said, God spake unto all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Stop. So if we are worshiping other gods and other idols before him, we understand that we are dealing with an unclean spirit. All right. So thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water underneath the earth. 
Thou shalt not bow thyself down to them, nor serve them. For I am the Lord thy God. I am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me, showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments or my mitzvot. So, if you have a graven image, anything that is in the heavens, anything that is in the earth, or anything that is beneath the earth, and you bow yourself down to it, we understand that that is an unclean spirit that is inside of you, that is acting inside of you. So most of us come from the Christian vernacular, and we know that at least for my experience, everywhere I went, there was a wooden cross. In every church I ever went to, your job was to bow down to that cross. Not only did they have crosses, so that's something above the earth, they fashioned fishes. They said, hey, put this on your car. Put this on your neck. Tattoo this on your arm. This means you're cool with Jesus. But we know that's an idol. That's, again, an unclean spirit at work. So we can keep going through Exodus 20, whether it's killing or stealing or bearing false witnesses, uh, uh, denying the Shabbat. We know these are unclean spirits at work. So we need to regularly sweep our house clean because we are constantly in this nation coming uh, 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 or, or, or being presented with things that tell us to be Galatians and the stuff that's in Galatians and 1 Corinthians and telling us not to be the things that are in Exodus 20. So now we understand that, uh, and, and it's true in Genesis chapter 32, when the Most High, uh, he said, I'm going to put myself over Israel, but all the other nations, I'm going to let the other Elohim deal with them. I'm going to be the God of Israel. All the other nations get another God. Now, obviously, America was not created at that time, but that if it holds true then, it still holds true today. So the God of Israel, as much people want to believe, is not the God of this nation. You got one nation. It's called Israel. It's over that way, going east. So, hey, when people say, oh, bad stuff happened, I was talking about more this other day, bad stuff happened, whether it's 9-11 or whatever it may be. We were, me and my wife were living in Boston, unfortunately, for the, uh, the Boston bombing at the Boston Marathon, and that was a chaotic situation, and we couldn't leave our house for a couple of days, and it was crazy, and everybody's, everybody up there is godless anyway. Oh, where's your God? Where's your God? And he's in the place where he put his name. Me and Israel, chilling. Y'all over here being disobedient. Why would y'all expect a righteous God to come help you when you ain't trying to be righteous? So we understand that whatever God is over this nation is a God that continues to say, do the opposite of Exodus 20. So we understand that whatever its name is, it's an unclean spirit. All right. So now, uh, so Matthew, going back to Matthew 12, the main verse we're going to be focusing on today. It says, now when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through the waterless places looking for rest and does not find it. Then it says, let's go back home where I come from. Let's go back home. A lot of these unclean spirits have made our family bloodline their home. I'll say that again. A lot of these unclean spirits have made our family bloodline their home. That is why you can look at your family and say, man, why every generation somebody hooked on something? 
drug abuse, alcohol abuse. Uh, why is it that every single generation, somebody's getting teenage pregnancy, abortion, abuse, whatever it may be? Why every? Why is it? Why am I the first person in my generation to follow Torah? These unclean spirits have attached themselves to your family bloodline. They have found a home. And you know why they found a home? I learned something way back in the day. Uh, and there's, there's a debate whether or not my mother or her sister killed this cat. We don't know. They both claim they didn't. But my grandmother had a cat way back in the day. I named the cat Phoenix. Phoenix. That cat would soon be poisoned and die. Uh, she get a dog, and she named the dog Phoenix after that cat. But the reason why that cat made a home at 302 East Walnut in Jacksonville, Illinois, is because my grandmother fed the stray cat. She made it comfortable for the cat to keep coming back to the porch to get food, because it knew if I came back, I would be welcomed. So. The same with that cat is the same with the unclean spirit. It's found a home because we've made it comfortable to keep coming back. It knows that if I keep coming back to this address, I'll get fed, I'll get some warmth in the winter, I'll get some cool in the summer, and I know that I will be accepted here. It's made a home. So they've been a part of our lives and the lives of our ancestors for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Unleavened bread is the process that we have in the, the unleavened bread is the process that we have in the uh, beginning of the year to rid ourselves of these unclean spirits. So the rest of our year can be spent close to the most high. So we know if you came to the uh, community Passover that we had right before Passover, there was a lot of word that went forth about the blood and about the bread and how the, 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 the culmination of them both would, would, would both made them interesting is that eating of the bread and taking of the blood uh, both made your house or your body, your temple clean. And we didn't just clean the temple just because so they didn't just pour blood all over the altar just for their health, they did it so that they can cleanse the altar and rid the altar of any unclean thing so that they can get close to the Most High. Because if they did not cleanse the altar, the Most High would not show up. There would be no place for him to rest. So during the time of unleavened bread, and I hope you did this all last week, cleanse not just your physical house, but also your body so that we can take inventory of the unclean things that are within us so that for the rest of the year, we can walk in our cleanness so that we can be close to the most high. Yes, Now, look at this. I found this article. I thought it was interesting. Um, it says, now, the spiritual meaning of leaven, and uh, the deacon went, went over this a little bit um, as well during unleavened bread, uh, but Maury would call that the spirit. So, now the spiritual meaning of leaven, uh, Yah uses his appointed time to teach us about himself and his kingdom. So leaven is one of such teaching aids. Leaven is specifically used as a symbol of what should not be part of our lives spiritually. Leaven is used because it has certain characteristics. 
Leaven does not have a life of its own. I'll repeat that. Leaven does not have a life of its own. So if we have unclean spirits, if we have leaven, it's because we've given it life. It has to be worked into the dough in order to have its effect on it. We also have to create a suitable environment in order for leaven to function properly. So you created the environment. So if it doesn't have the environment to survive, it'll die at the door. So if the unclean spirit is being attached to me, if the leaven is running rampant in my household, if the leaven is running rampant in my bloodline, it's because I've made it okay to do so. Because if the orchid man came through here and sprayed this whole building, I guarantee you every time an ant touched the edge of that door, he did. And then enough ants going to pass by that dead body and be like, hey, that, 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 that building over there on the East End in Humboldt, stay away from there. Don't go over there. All right? Don't go over there. And we know this because even Yahshua, when he was led into the wilderness, uh, when Beelzebub himself, not his imps, not an unclean spirit, but Hasatan himself tempted Yahshua, he understood, oh, I can't mess with this brother. I can't do it. I'm going to stay away from him. I'm going to stay away. I can't handle him. So the dough with the leaven in it has to sit in a warm area for a while in order for the leaven to work well. We also have the, the ability to stop this function at any time. Wait a minute. So not only do we make the environment okay for the unclean spirit we work it into our lives we make we give it a nice little comfortable spot to work in and we just let it sit there and forget about it or it's good to us so we let it keep working the thing is we can stop it at any time it's your choice what did Moshe say to the children of Israel he about to go off he mad because he didn't struck the rock Y'all been hard-headed suckers and made me miss out on the doggone promise. But I'll give you this one last gem. Choose life. Death and life is before you. Curse and blessing is before you. Choose life and choose the blessings. You have It's your choice. It says, we also have the ability to stop this function at any time. If you were to put the dough in the fridge, the process would be delayed or stopped. If you contain the thing, and we'll go, we'll talk about that later. I don't want to get ahead of myself. These characteristics make leaven the great teaching aid it is. Just consider these characteristics, uh, characteristics and compare it to sin, for example. We choose, we choose, we choose to have sin in our lives. We are in control. Remember, Shaul said, sin is not in control of you. You're in control of the sin. Even did not the Most High tell Cain, hey, brother, sin is waiting at the door. But you, if you be patient, you have control over that. It wants to overtake you, but you have dominion over the sin. Cain chose sin. For we choose to have sin in our lives. We are in control. The environment has to be right, and we can stop it if we want. I am not saying leaven is always sin, but it can be. There are many specific examples in Scripture. We have written, we have, oh, okay, all that stuff. All right. Leaven can be compared to anything that stands between us and Yah. 
So Hollywood has jacked us up thinking about unclean spirits. We think about, you know, uh, these movies where folks are sleeping and covers getting snatched off of them, all this blue light stuff. We think about Freddy Krueger and Jason and all this other stuff. But very simple, make it really plain to you. Leaven is anything that stands between us and the creator of this world. Leaven can be your spouse. Leaven can be your mama. Leaven can be your daddy, your best friend. Leaven can be a co-worker at your job. Leaven can be your job. So you got a job that's telling you you need to come in two Saturdays out of a month. I choose to stay at that job. I choose to let them make me work on a Saturday. When in this, especially to state of Tennessee, let me tell y'all about Tennessee. I love Tennessee. There ain't, there, ain't, there ain't too much I like about you know being here, but I gotta be here, but it's okay. But I love the state of Tennessee. State of Tennessee, I'm going off on my tangent, but it's okay. State of Tennessee, you look it up, you Google it, the fourth freest state in America. The only reason it's not number one is because it has really strict abortion laws. Had it not had that, it'd be number one. But here's the thing about Tennessee. And y'all learned this because all of us was here during COVID in Tennessee. Tennessee said when they shut the state down, so it was one of the one state that had strict laws, traveling laws. It said, listen, y'all can't leave y'all house unless you are going to work and you had to have a job that classified as, uh, I forgot what they was called, essential worker. Number two, go get groceries. Most states stop right there. You go to work, go get groceries. But Tennessee, God bless Governor Lee's heart. He said, listen, if you're going to worship, okay, if you're going to the temple, the mosque, or the synagogue, or the church, go ahead and go to worship. We ain't gonna stop you. Go ahead and go to worship. So if the state of Tennessee in a pandemic, now I don't know what y'all listening to on YouTube and stuff, but if, hey, if you don't live in Tennessee, come on through. <laughs> but in a state of a pandemic, for them to say, yeah, you can go worship, and it's a pandemic. So if everything is cool, do you really think that you have to work on a Saturday? So you telling me that if I work Monday through Friday, me not working on a Saturday is going to cause all this undue harm for the company. Because a lot of us don't even know our own laws. I know I'm going to, this ain't, this ain't even part of my sermon. But if you, if you look in the Constitution, every state Constitution has this law because it's part of the U.S. Constitution. They cannot, if you apply for that job and it says E-E-O-E, yep. Equal Opportunity Employer, Unless you not working on a Saturday causes undue harm to that company, meaning that the harm that you cause by not working for one day completely destroys the company and they can't come back from its losses. That's the only way they can make you work on Saturday. Name me one job that because a few people, because we know that there ain't many Jews in, 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 in Tennessee or in the United States for that fact compared to all the other religions. They, they free to work on Saturday and do whatever they want to. Uh, you telling me that a few thousand people that choose not to work on Saturday, does the economy undo harm? Or are you telling me 
I'm just afraid to sound weird. I'm afraid to let these people know that I'm a Jew. I'm afraid to let these people know that I love Torah. I'm afraid to let these people know that I do these feast days. Man, listen, I had a, I hope you ain't listening to this YouTube. I had a Jewish brother that I work with. And he told me, I said, man, God bless this brother. Uh, his name was Schmallberger. That was his last name. And he was embarrassed of his birthright. He felt bad and embarrassed that he was a Jew. We had a long conversation. So because of this, this brother chose to work at night. Because he saw my Zeets. Hey, what you wearing them Zeets for? Say, you know, I'm, a, I'm Ethiopian. I'm, I'm a Jew. I love the Lord. I follow the law. Oh, man, he took off his hat and showed me his keeper. I'm a Jew, too. I said, well, hey, Barak Hashem, Shalom, brother. How you doing? Had a good talk and said, yeah, well, you know, I work at night because, first of all, don't too many people see me. And, uh, you know, he said, man, you're bold, man, because, you know, too many people ask me questions about my Zeets, man. I just got embarrassed and sick of people asking me. So I, I worked at night because, you know, the, the, uh, the Mishnah says that the, um, the commandment to wear the Zeet is a daytime commandment because somebody has to see it. So I work at night. I ain't got to wear them. Nobody got to see me. I said, man, so some of us choose, <laughs> it's our choice to not be seen, or it's our choice to choose to go against the very law that we say that we love. It's a choice. And when we make those choices, we create leaven. So again, leaven can be a person, leaven can be a job, you can be your own leaven. It hinders our intimacy with him. It is for this reason that we are to examine ourselves, and we talked about this during Torah class, daily. Not just in the spring feast, daily. As we clean out the leaven in our homes, from any spiritual leaven in our own lives. This is to be our preparation for this appointed time and every single time, every single day. Have you made your home conducive to a spirit of sin or have we cleaned out our home in a way that those spirits are no longer welcome? So how do we rid ourselves of these unclean spirits? I told you we was going to do a lot in the New Testament. So Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. All right. The one thing I do like about the book of Mark, that brother, I don't know what he was going through, but he real short, straight to the point. <laughs> Mark 9, verses 17 through 29. Mark 9, verses 17 through 29. And it says... <clears throat> And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto you thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit or an unclean spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and, ga and uh, gasheth with his teeth and pinneth away. And I spake to thy disciples, and they shouldeth cast him out, and they could not. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, 
How long shall I be with you? How long will I suffer you? Bring him unto me. AKA, I'm frustrated. I've been with y'all long enough. Y'all should get the picture by now. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it had cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. They ain't trying to play with this kid, it's trying to destroy him. And that just also proves that you don't have to be in this world long for unclean spirit to attach yourself. So if this child, a child, had an unclean spirit attached to them, that means that you, the parent, the adult, have made an environment conducive in your home for this unclean, because when the unclean spirit comes in, it's going to attach itself. Doesn't matter if the kid is one, don't matter if it's a hundred. It's going to get to whoever it can get to. All right. Uh, and, uh, and Yahshua said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and he said with tears, Master, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Hallelujah. When Yahshua saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more unto him. And the spirit cried and rent sore and came out of him, and he was he was one dead, insomuch that many said he was dead. But Yahshua took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he was coming to the house, the disciples asked him privately, because they was embarrassed. Why could not we cast him out? And he said unto them, this kind, the unclean spirit kind, come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. How do we rid our home of unclean spirits? We got Moses got the prayer part. We got that down pat. Wake up in the morning, for you, at least for my, my feet touch the floor, I say, hey, you know, God, thank you for waking me up this morning. Thank you for turning my soul to my body. Get all that stuff good and going. And then you do your little, you do your ambida, you do, you know, you bless yourself and all this great stuff. We love praying. That's cool. It's nice and cultural. You know, if you, if you know the Hebrew, you're playing Hebrew, it sounds cool. If you, if you got the, uh, the, the, the Torah on your phone, you can hear the canter and it just sounds lovely and all this great stuff. But one thing we hate doing, I'll speak for myself. One thing I don't uh, 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 see pleasant is fasting. Because as you can tell by my uh, body type, I likes to eat. I likes to eat a lot. So when it comes to fasting and subjecting your body, you taking control of your body, for some reason we don't like doing it. But it's not just prayer alone. It has to be prayer and fasting. Why? Because if I can resist this food, if I can teach myself how to resist scrolling mindlessly through Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, if I can stop myself from making TikTok videos, then I can have the power to withstand the wiles and the fiery darts of the enemy. But I first have to master myself and take control of myself before I can control anything else. All right. Fasting and prayer. And not just fasting on Yom Kippur either. There ain't enough. 
Sorry to tell you, that's not enough. Yom Kippur, one day ain't enough. Now that one day is very, very, very important because we know between Yom Kippur um, and, and Yom Kippur and uh, 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 trumpets that a lot of decisions are being made. Those 10 days are very important. But the other 325 days or 355 days are important too. You got to fast. It's not a, well, if I feel like it or I don't know, you, you have to. It's a have to. You have to. If you want to clean house, you have to fast. So let's, let's keep moving. It says, now when the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through the waterless places looking for a rest and does not find it. Find it. Then it says, I will go back home where I come from. And when it comes, it finds the house vacant, swept clean, put in order. And it goes and brings along seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they go in and live there. So not only has it made a home, found an empty house. You know, that was a freebie. Ain't nobody in there. Got a friend in uh, California, found an empty house, squatter rules, can't move him out. He ain't paying no rent, or well, he is paying rent, but he's living in a very big house and paying very small rent because he's a squatter. Praise Yah. The problem is when we sweep the house clean, we feel good for a time, but old habits just come back stronger and more out of control. Why is that? Because we've emptied the house, but never filled it up with anything to combat the unclean spirit that left. So you can empty something out, but if whatever left, if it has room to come back, it's coming back, coming back with a vengeance. Let's look at it. So what should I fill my house up with? Let's go to Galatians chapter five. Most of us already know this. Moriarty read the first part of this. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 26. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. What should we fill the house up with? And don't get it twisted. When I'm talking about the house, I'm talking about your body. Because we know that your body is the temple of the living God. So what should we fill this house up with? So Galatians 5, 20 through, 22 through 26 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, uh, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh, have crucified the flesh. You've been praying and you've been fasting with these afflictions and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. So when we clean up our house, we can't just keep it empty. We have to fill our temple with all these fruit of the spirit. And you can't remember that now. I know the King James ain't the most perfect English or, you know, whatever, modern English, but it doesn't say fruits of the spirit. It says fruit, meaning all these encompass one. So I can't say I have love and you ain't got no joy. Can't say I got peace, but I ain't long suffering. Can't say I'm gentle, but ain't nothing good in me. 
Can't say I got faith, but I'm not meek. I can't speak a temperance and not have all the rest of these things. All these are one fruit. A lot of people in here like watermelon. I hate watermelon. A lot of y'all like watermelon. But if you get a real watermelon, you can't find it these days because of GMO and all that foolishness. But if you get a real seeded watermelon, it's a big old fruit and it got a whole bunch of seeds in it. Now, when y'all eating, and this is just me, because I, I don't eat watermelon, so when I experience y'all eat the watermelon, y'all don't say, well, I'm spitting out watermelon seeds. Y'all just say, I got to spit out the watermelon seed. Because a seed is a seed is a seed. Doesn't matter. It's all part of the watermelon. So a fruit of the spirit is a fruit of the spirit is a fruit of the spirit. It's all part of the spirit. It's all one. So the spirit is one great, huge fruit. And the seeds of that fruit all are one. Because if I take off one of those seeds, if I take a seed out of a watermelon, it's not going to give me an apple tree. They're going to give me an apple tree. Don't give me an orange tree. It's going to produce more watermelon. If I take the seeds out of the fruit of the spirit, I should produce and get love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These are the things that I'm looking to fill my house up with. Not more commentaries. I know we love that. That's fine. Not more reading. That's fine. Reading is fundamental. That is true. Do I need to study uh, uh, the, 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 the Torah? Yes. Should I be studying the, the, the sages? I believe so. And we can get into other stuff. Should you be reading commentary? It helps. But what you should really be looking to fill yourself up with ain't more knowledge. It's more of the love and the joy and the peace and the long suffering than me. Because I can feel myself. There's a whole lot of devils walking around here that know a whole lot about this Bible. Ahead, Again, I lived in Boston for three years. I was told, hey, I know you like the Bible. Have you checked out Harvard Divinity School? I was like, no, I didn't know Harvard had a divinity school. And that's something. So I go online. I check it out. Like these people. I'm going to say something else. These people... <laughs> are godless teaching about God. These professors, divinity professors, are teaching students the Bible and they're agnostic. They're atheists. Like, wait a minute. So you know the the Greek, you know the Hebrew, you know the Torah, you know you know the you know the sages. Yeah. They got the Talmud in there. They had the Mishnah. Yeah. They they even had Kabbalah classes. Yeah. But guess what? They don't believe in this book. Yeah. So knowledge don't get you. No knowledge does not fill your house up. You're still empty. Yeah. And two, and it's so sad that this the, the the Western mind because we have a Greek mind. Don't get it twisted. The Greeks loved knowledge. Right. Got a whole period called the period of enlightenment. Yeah. You don't forget about these fairy tales. We're gonna just we're gonna study the stars and the, the moon and we're gonna study art and we're gonna study history and world, we're gonna study war and all this other stuff, and we're gonna we're gonna know everything about everything. No jokers was godless. Pedophiles. They were uh 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 uh, uh murderers, rapists, all these people. That we put in these books 
and we hailed them as wonderful men. They were all these things. They had all this knowledge, though. So if they had the knowledge, how was it that these unclean spirits of murder and rape and pedophilia was all attached to them? Because they didn't fill their house with the fruit of the spirit. They filled their house with something that was inadequate from stopping them from falling to the destruction of the enemy. So again, Orkin man comes and sprays. But he hit us for the okie doke. He's spraying water around here. The ants coming to the door. And like, oh, we can pass through now. It ain't nothing but water, y'all. It's all good. Let's come in and make ourselves a home because they don't have anything to protect themselves. Knowledge won't protect you. The only thing that will protect you is a spirit. In order to build a strong house, we need a strong foundation. The fruit of the spirit is the strong foundation that is needed for the house. But after the foundation is built, you also need a strong frame. So if I just have an empty slab, I mean, that's, that's subject to all kinds of elements. Wind and ice and snow and rain and all kinds of just a slab. So let's look at it. So what is the strong frame? In my opinion, it's the spiritual gifts. So how do we know? Let's go to Exodus 31. So everything goes back to the, to the Tanakh eventually anyway. So Exodus 31. <laughs> and most of us know this if you've been going through your Torah portions for years. You already know what Exodus 31 is talking about. But we look at Exodus 31. Exodus 31, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name uh, Bezael, son of Uri, son of Ur, the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and in knowledge and all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stone to set them and the carving of timber and to work in all manner of work workmanship. And behold, I have given him uh, uh, Aholab, the son of an, um, a, a Hashmat of the tribe of Dan, in the hearts of all that were wise-hearted, I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee. The tabernacle of the congregation and the ark of the testimony and the mercy seat that is therein, and all the furniture of the tabernacle. And the table and its furniture and the pure candlestick with all of its furniture and the altar of incense and the altar of burnt offering with all its furniture and the laver of its foot and the cloths of the service and the holy garments for Aaron, the priests and the garments of his sons and the ministers and the priest's office and the anointing oil and the sweet incense for the holy place. According to all that I have commanded thee shall thy do. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily my Sabbath shall you keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generation, that ye may know that I am the Lord that doeth sanctify you. Ye shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Every one that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whoever doeth any work therein, shall that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work. Six days. Six days may work be done, but in the seventh day it's the Sabbath rest of the holy uh, rest holy to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any 
any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore, the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout their generations for a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. In six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of the, com of the communion with him upon Mount Sinai, two tablets of testimonies of stone written with the finger of God. So we look at, at, at Exodus chapter 31 and we see that he called Uri by name. He just didn't call him by name, but he gave him these gifts. The gifts were important because through these gifts, the tabernacle was able to be built. So we can't, an unskilled person can't build a house. I don't know how to build a house. I can't build one. So I need some specialized skill in order to build up the house. And again, I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about this right here, your body, your temple, the temple of the most high. So then he gave uh, Bezael physical gifts in order to build up a physical house. So if I get spiritual or physical gifts to build up a physical house, I need spiritual gifts to build up a spiritual house. All right, y'all y'all smart out there. Some of y'all got degrees. Praise y'all. All right. So no one person, though, has all the gifts. Because remember, when Bezael went out, he said, yo, I get all the knowledge, but I'm going to need some people who got knowledge of gold, silver, stones, copper. I need somebody to hammer down the nails. I need somebody to know how to, uh, somebody back there was, 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 was dope with a Rubik's cube because they had to fold that joker up and unfold it every single time they stopped and go. Somebody was cold at that. All right. But I need to find that person. So every gift is not the same because if everybody had the same gift, the tabernacle would have never been built. So if everybody has the same spiritual gift, the spiritual house will never get built up. So the implication is that we should surround ourselves with those in the faith so that we are always strengthened on all sides. So if Bezael didn't go out to the people, tabernacle would have never been built. So you have a gift or you could have multiple gifts. I don't know. Most high speaks to you. He'll speak to me about you. He speak to you about you. So you know what gifts that you have, whether you're doing them or not, that's your business. But you know what gifts that you do have. But then, you know, if I have these gifts, if I have gift A and B. I don't have gift C through Z. So I need to go find some people that got gifts C through Z so that I can build them up with A and B and I can be edified by C through Z. Y'all getting me? Yes, Math teacher, you got me? Okay, all right. In the wilderness, we need gifts to build a physical tabernacle. But in this age, we need spiritual gifts to build up a spiritual body. <laughs> Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. All right. How much time I got? All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Man, so that means that these gifts that he about to talk about must be real important. Because there's only two times Paul ever does this now. One of two times. He says, yo, 
I don't want y'all to miss this. He says it here, but he first says it back in Romans chapter seven. I'm speaking to those who know the law. Oh, stop. Do you know the law? No. Let's go back and study some Torah. Go through your Torah cycle. Go through some feast cycles. Then come back to Romans chapter seven and maybe make some sense to you. So here he says, brethren, I would not have you ignorant of these spiritual gifts. So the problem is a lot of, see where I come from. So I, I had the, the best of both worlds in the Christian church, if you want to call it that. So growing up, I went to the Pentecostal slash Kojic church. Then when I got 12, 13, my mom was like, well, whatever happened to this church, we're going to go over here to this Baptist church. Two polar opposite ideas and everything, right? So one church was like, we're going to focus on this one gift. We're going to speak in tongues. And if you don't speak in tongues, you ain't say. Well, dang, because I missed the boat. <laughs> but then you go to the other side, it's like even more restrictive. If you do speak in tongues, we're going to escort you out to church kindly. And we don't, you know, the gifts were, those were yesteryear. We don't, we don't do that anymore, you know, for half of it. Then another pastor came and changed all that. So got a whole smorgasbord of stuff. And then the last church I went to was a Presbyterian church for me and my wife and my kids. They ain't do none of that. You know, they, they preach, they take your money, they go home. We ain't talk about gifts. Anyway, he don't want you ignorant of these gifts. And a lot of people are ignorant of the spiritual gifts. So how can you build up a spiritual house when you're ignorant of the tools that help you build the house? How can I build something when I don't have the tools for it? Worse than not having the tools for it, I don't even know they exist. Imagine going to a town and you trying to build a house from scratch. They ain't got a Lowe's. They ain't got a Home Depot. They ain't got a, 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 a Caterpillar store. They ain't got nothing. They ain't got nothing. And you ask people, hey, where, where's your Lowe's? Where's your Home Depot? Where's your, where's your, is there a contractor store? Is there a lumber store somewhere? Well, sir, what is that? We've never heard of these things. Explain more. Like You don't know these things exist. Verse 2, it says, ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away in these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I gave you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Yahshua accursed, and that no man can say that Yahshua is the master, but by the Holy Ghost of the Baruch HaKodesh. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, a bunch of seeds, same fruit. All right? And there are differences of administration, but the same master. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh in all. But in the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit. So we saw our brother that helped build the tabernacle. That was his gifting. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another the gifting of healing by the same Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another discerning of spirits. To another of uh, diviner's kinds of tongues. To another the interpretation of tongues. But to all these worketh that one and the self same Spirit uh, dividing to every man surveillance uh, severely as he will for as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body 
being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body, Wherefore, we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, uh, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am the, if, if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is, therefore, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? So to make it more plain, if, well, if I, sh I ain't got wisdom, knowledge, and understanding like uh, uh, my boy that's, that's building the temple or the tabernacle, so I can't be a part of this process. Not knowing that no matter what your gifting is, it's all important to build up the spiritual house. It's very important. So I don't care if you are usher at the doggone door or you up here casting out demons. One is not greater than the other. One is not lesser than the other. And also we should not desire the gift of somebody else. Because we saw after Galatians 22, there's a reason why it says at the end of that, when it's talking about the, the, the gifts of the spirit, hey, don't be envious of one another. We all build in the same house. So if I can build up my house, I can help somebody build up their house and we can build up the collective house together. All right. So let's look at a, uh, a couple of these gifts or all of these gifts that were mentioned, really. I'm not going to read everything on here. I'm just going to read the, uh, the first sentence, last sentence. All right. So uh, it says the Greek word is the gift of administration. So these are all the gifts. And a lot of people don't realize some of these gifts are actually gifts. But the gift of administration, the Greek word for the spiritual gift of administration is I ain't going to attempt that because I don't know Greek. Uh, this is a unique term that refers to a shipmaster or captain. The literal meaning is to steer or to rule or govern. It carries the idea of someone who guides and directs a group of people toward a goal or destination. That's the guy who led the building of the tabernacle. With this gift, the Holy Spirit enables Christians or people who are Christ followers, which that's why I'm using as Christians, to organize, direct, and implement plans to lead others in the various ministries of the church. This gift closely related to the gift of leadership, but is more goal or task oriented and also more concerned with details and organizations. So if that sounds like you, you might have the gift of administration. The gift of apostleship. The spiritual gift of apostleship is sometimes confused with the office of apostle. The office of apostle was held by a limited number of men chosen by Yahshua, including the 12 disciples. The requirements for the office of apostle included being a faithful eyewitness of Yahshua's ministry and his resurrection and being called by Yahshua himself. The apostles were given authority by Yahshua to do many different things to establish the church, including writing spiritual scripture and performing miracles. Skip down to the last paragraph. The mission for those with the gift of apostleship today is to plant new ministries and churches, to go into places where the gospel is not preached, reach across cultures to establish churches in challenging environments, raise up and develop leaders, call out and lead pastors and shepherds, and much more. They often have many different gifts that allow them to fulfill their ministries. These are leaders of leaders and ministers of ministers. They are influencers. They are typically um, entrepreneurial and are able to take risks and perform difficult tasks. So if that sounds like you, the gift of apostleship might be upon you. 
The gift of discernment, the spirit, the spiritual gift of discernment, it's also known as the gift of discernment of spirits or distinguishing between spirits. The Greek word for the gift of discernment is that word. Uh, the word describes being able to distinguish, discern, judge, or appraise a person, statement, situation, or environment. The Holy Spirit gives the gift of discernment to enable certain Christians to clearly recognize and distinguish between the influence of God, Satan, the world, and the flesh in a given situation. Right. The gift of evangelism. So all Christians are called to evangelize and to reach out to the lost with the gospel. But some are given an extra measure of faith that um, effect and effectiveness in this area. The spiritual gift of evangelism is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, where Paul says that Yeshua gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So evangelists are given the unique ability by the Holy Spirit to clearly and effectively communicate the gospel of Yahshua to others. They are burdened in their hearts for the lost and will go out of their way to share the truth with them. Even when they say, you done flipped your religion. I'm saying. So if that sounds like you, you have the gift of evangelism. The gift of exhortation. The spiritual gift of exhortation is also called the gift of encouragement. The Greek word of this gift is that word. It means to beseech, exhort, call upon, to encourage, and to strengthen. The Spirit of God gives this gift to people in the church to strengthen and encourage those who are wavering in their faith. Those with the gift of exhortation can uplift and motivate others as well as challenge and rebuke them in order to foster spiritual growth and action. The goal of the encourager is to see everyone in the church continually building up the body of Christ and glorifying God. Listen, I ain't got to all of them yet. But imagine if we just had these first few that I mentioned up in here right now operating. So I ain't the smartest cookie in the jar, but I understand numbers to a point. There ain't a lot of people up in here. So that means everybody can't have the same gift. That means there's folks up in here, y'all ain't operating in y'all gift. That means if you ain't operating your gift, you're hindering the building up of the body. Morey said today, this body was probably supposed to be built three years ago. But because of uh, uncertainty, because of lack of knowledge, you were ignorant of the spiritual gifts, whatever it may be. We have delayed the building of this building or this body for three years. Don't you hate it? I live in a neighborhood that's being gentrified right now. The cool thing about being in a neighborhood that's being gentrified is that once they start building something, it don't take that long to get it done. They put up a sign, two months later, there's a Starbucks, there's a Chipotle, there's a Chick-fil-A. Boom, 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 boom. Like, man, this neighborhood didn't change in like 12 months. Wow, this is cool. My property taxes went up. I'm mad that my mortgage is more, but hey, praise God, my house is worth more money. Yay. But you go into other neighborhoods in Memphis, and I've been living in Memphis for like 16 years, and that sign, that coming to sign, been there for 16 years, <laughs> and all you got is a whole bunch of dirt, 
Now there's a bunch of trash. They had to go build a fence around the area because you got the, you know, some unfortunate people trying to live in there and put in tents. And now it looks just horrible. And now these people's property taxes and shot all the way down because they got this big old stump of dirt sitting there for 16 years. Ain't nobody done nothing with it because they can't find the proper people with the proper skills to build the building. It's been delayed. Now, are there people in Memphis that can probably build that building? If that, if that, if that civil engineer would say, hey, here's the plans, can you help me build it? Absolutely, there's a lot of skilled people in Memphis, absolutely. The problem is, nobody wanna work. Don't nobody wanna work. So I delay the building of the body when I choose not to work in my gifting. If you're in this way, you have to work. Imagine if the children of Israel decide they want to be lazy when building up the tabernacle. You would have never been close to the Most High. He could not come and be and dwell with you. You want the Most High to come dwell with you? This is not just unique to restoring the branches. It's every other synagogue and little sanctuary that's out there. If you want the Most High to come dwell with you, because we know that he's non-conporal, he's not a physical body, he can be everywhere, anywhere, at all times. If you want him to dwell with you, we have to get to work. Because if we don't work, and as the sages say, well, an unfinished building or empty building is full of what? Unclean spirits. Mm -hmm. Let's keep on going. <clears throat> so to get the faith... The spiritual gift of faith is not to be confused with saving faith. All Christians have been giving saving faith, but not all receive the spiritual gift of faith. The word for faith in the New Testament is that word. Carries the notions of confidence, certainly trust, and assurance in the object of faith. Uh, the Holy Spirit distributes this gift to some in the church to encourage and build up the church in her confidence in God. Those with the gift of faith trust that God is sovereign and he is good. They take him at his word and put the full weight of their lives in his hands. They expect God to move and are not surprised when he answers a prayer or performs a miracle. Sounds like you may have the gift of faith, the gift of the gift of giving. So I know I ain't got this gift because I was in the Christian church. I was like, yo, y'all said the law done away with. That means I ain't got to get my tithes no more. Let me save my money. So I may have it now, pay my tithes now, but I wasn't back then. Law done away with. I ain't giving none of my money in. But anyway. <laughs> the Greek word for the spiritual the Greek word for the spiritual gift of giving is that one. It's apply it simply means to Im, uh, impart or to give. However, this word is accompanied in Romans uh, 12:8 by another descriptive word, that one. This word tells us much more about the kind of giving that is associated with this gift. Uh, that word means since, uh, sincerely gener generosity without pretense or hypocrisy. So we talked about that this morning. So uh, my email mentioned that we should give without, what was the word you used? No, that was not what you said. Without judgment, thank you. That's good too, thank you. So give without judgment. So it's not my job to wonder why this person needs what they need. If I have a gift of giving, I just give and give and give and give, and I don't care why you need it. I just know the Lord said give it, so I'm going to give it and move on about my business. I don't care if that person's at the, I mean, I just, 
I saw that dude at the Kanye concert. Why he out on the corner begging for money? Ain't none of my business. Give the man the money. It's none of my business. I see this person at such and such all the time. They buying up stuff. Hey, uh, she just got a Gucci bag. Now she she asking for a, a spot. It's a coat. I ain't giving her no spots a coat. She should have saved her money and not spent that Gucci bag. <laughs> but if I have the gift of giving, I don't care if she got a Gucci bag. I just noticed this sister wants to celebrate Sukkot. So we're going to make sure she got a spot for Sukkot. That's the gift of giving. I'm going to give without judging others. The gift of healing. The gift of healing is found in 1 Corinthians 12, 9. It's actually plural in the Greek. It literally translates gifts of healing. Those who have this gift are compassionate toward the sick and pray over them regularly. They have great faith and trust that God can and will heal some and are not deterred when he chooses not to. They are motivated knowing that God's revealed power will draw people to faith in Yahshua. Their ultimate concern is the spiritual well-being of those being healed in their relationship with Yahshua. They yearn for the day that there will be no more pain and suffering and sin will no longer wreak havoc on the people of God. Even here they recognize that sickness is a part of leaven. So the gift of interpretation. So I've witnessed interpretation well when, when Moray does it. And then my first time there was a lady. We had prayed. Uh, I was about to I was about to start a church in Memphis <clears throat> with a group of people. And we were in a we were in a room and we prayed. And we prayed and we prayed for some very specific things that ain't no way nobody could have known what we wanted. What we was talking about because it was only specific to our situation at that very time. There was this lady who was a she's a she's a pastor in Memphis. She's also a politician. So we went to her. I was like, hey, can you partner with us? Can you help us trying to get this land, getting, this, getting all this you know, pushback from the neighborhood? Uh, you know, all the important people. Can you help us? She was like, sure. But let me pray for you first. OK, that's fine. Get in a circle. Uh, start praying. She starts speaking in tongues. Uh, and then she interprets her tongue. And everything we had just prayed the day before, she was talking about it in that circle. I said, Vince, did you, you talk to this woman? Man, shoot, I ain't never met this woman. We meet her at the same time. I don't know her. So sometimes even, that's why I say I don't, I don't, I try not to, as the, the more I'm in this way, I try not to draw hard liners because the most high will, will work and give giftings without repentance. That's the word says. So it doesn't matter who you are. If you have a gifting, you have a gifting. Now, whether or not you use it in the right way, or whether or not you accepted the call to come over here is a whole nother story. But if you got a gift, you got a gift. All right. So the gift of interpretation. So I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. So that, that made me a believer. Because I'd never seen before then. I was like, all these, all these people lying about speaking in tongues. I ain't never heard nobody interpret nothing. But then she did. I was like, wow, okay, interpretation is real. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm down for the cause, okay? So the gift of knowledge, all right? The spiritual gift of knowledge is also known um, as the word of knowledge or the utterance of knowledge. 
Um, and it simply means knowledge and understanding. So the Holy Spirit gives a spiritual gift to some believers to bring out and understand and to inform the church or individual believers. The person with this gift is usually well-versed in the scriptures and often has much committed to memory. They can retain the truth and communicate it effectively at the appropriate time. All right. The gift of leadership, spiritual gift of leadership is closely related to the gift of administration and is interestingly, interest, interestingly, the spirit, the spiritual gift of pastor or shepherd. Um, this word means to lead, to assist, to protect and to care for others. All right. The Holy Spirit gives this spiritual gift to leadership of leadership to summon the church to care for God's people and to lead them into deeper relationship with Christ and each other. They base their success on how well they help others succeed and grow in their spiritual walk with Yahshua. They're able to accomplish many different tasks and objectives as they lead, but they will always lead rationally and with a deep concern for the well-being of others. They are visionary and less concerned with mundane details than those with the spiritual gifts of administration. Many are entrepreneurial and willing to take risks to see the kingdom of God advance through the church. They will go through great lengths to protect those under their care and are well equipped to lead through crisis situations. Look at the gift of mercy. Uh, it says all are called to be merciful because God has been merciful to us. Um, it says it means the gift of mercy means to be patient and compassionate toward those who are suffering or afflicted. The Holy Spirit gives the spiritual gift to uh, those to mercy to summon the church to love and assist those who are suffering and to walk with them until the Lord allows their burden to be lifted. Man, don't we need that? We, we need somebody with the gift of mercy in every single church, synagogue, assembly around the world. Because we I don't think we got enough of that. Uh, the gift of miracles. The spiritual gift of miracles is described in the scripture much like the gift of healing. It is found in 1 Corinthians 12, 10. Um, and it literally translates the working of powers. The double plural most likely means that these gifts are diverse and not permanently available at the will of the gifted believer, but instead are bestowed at various times and circumstances. Those with the spiritual gift of miracles often have a heightened sensitivity to the presence and the power of God through his Holy Spirit. They have a special measure of faith and and those with the spiritual gift of miracles often have a heightened sensitivity to the presence of the power of God through the Holy Spirit. They have a special measure of faith and desire for God to reveal himself and draw many to faith in the Son Yahshua. They take care not to draw attention to themselves or have a following of people. So Benny Hinn, you disqualified. Sorry, bro. Uh-oh. No, that gift's false. So there's some people, check this out. There's some people who have gifts that ain't on their side, but you got gifts. There's other people who act like they have a certain gift, meaning they're liars, this unclean spirit, and drawing a lot of people astray. So there's, so if you don't have discernment, it's best to find somebody who does so you don't fall into that trap. That's why everybody needs somebody. There was a song in Memphis called, uh, I Don't Need Nobody. No, you need somebody. You know that a player fly. Yeah, you know that. <laughs> you need somebody. Everybody needs somebody because you ain't, you ain't got all these gifts. Only, there's only one person that physically walked this earth with feet and bone and marrow and blood and a heartbeat that encompassed all this stuff. 
But see, the cool thing is, and that's what this makes more sense. When I go to my father, don't, don't keep me here. Because if you keep me here, all these seeds are stuck in one fruit. But if I can go to my father, he can disperse his spirit and drop all these seeds in a multitude of fruit. So now I got people all over the world skilled to do all these things. And now we can all together build up this more excellent body. But you have to do the work. Got to do the work. Okay, the gift of pastor or a pastor shepherd is one that carries many different responsibilities. This gift is closely related to the spiritual gift of leadership and teaching. Um, and it simply means to shepherd or to oversee. The Holy Spirit gives a spiritual gift of a pastor to some in the church to humbly teach them, guide them, protect them, and to lead them in the mission that God has for his church, namely the Great Commission. The pastor loves the gospel of Yahshua and puts it at the center of his life and ministries. Pastors do not seek fame or recognition for themselves. So if you on TBN, disqualified. Or I should say, if you seek to be on TV. Now, somebody can say, hey, you know, Pastor Vonner, we would like you to come on our network and share your expertise with the people. You could say yes, but you weren't seeking that opportunity. It just came to you. Too much time, and even people in this way, we got mores and rabbis and other such. I want fame. How do I know? Because I have hundreds of thousands of followers on YouTube, but I ain't got no synagogue. Uh-oh. Who you leading? People out in nowhere land. Who's holding you accountable? Because you ain't got no assembly checking you. Ain't nobody holding you accountable. And we got we got mores and all the different things. Like all I want to do is be on YouTube. All I want to do is be the next thought leader. Uh, I want to be on this debating this person and that person. Like yo, you you ain't got the gift of pastor and shepherd because the the shepherd cares more for the sheep than it does for itself. That's right. The shepherd, even if I'm scared of heights, I'm gonna walk up that mountain. To make sure my sheep can graze and get some get some 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 food. I'm going to, as David did, even if I'm scared of the bear, you ain't touching my sheep. Even if I'm scared of the lion, you ain't touching my sheep. If I'm scared of the wolf, you're not getting my sheep. I'm going to come between the wolf and the sheep every time. Even if I know I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna take that L. That's the spirit of a pastor. I'm not too quick to get in front of the camera, but I'm real, real quick to get in front of danger to protect my sheep. All right. The gift of prophecy. So the gift of prophecy is an extraordinary and unique gift. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, to pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. All right. The Holy Spirit gives the gift of prophecy to some believers to make God's own God's heart known and to edify the church. This gift is for the benefit of both believers and unbelievers and is a sign that God is truly among his church. Those with this gift are sensitive to both prompting the Holy Spirit and the needs of the church body. They should be humble and continually study the scriptures in order to test these revelations before speaking them. When they do speak, they should allow and even expect others to weigh that it is against that it is said against the scriptures and interpret the message accordingly. 
in this way, the church may be continually built up together in unity. All right. So the gift of service, spiritual gift of service or, mini, or ministering covers a wide range of activities in its application. Uh, the first one found in Romans 12, 7 is uh, I ain't trying to pronounce that. The basic meaning of this word is to wait tables, but it's often translated in the Bible as ministry. It refers to an act of service done in genuine love for the edification of the community. <clears throat> So we see people with this gift in the passages in Acts and Corinthians and many others. Those with this gift of service are committed to spread the gospel. They serve in ways that benefit others with different gifts and ministries that are more public. They have a heart devoted to Yahshua and desire to follow his command and example. Those with this gift do not seek recognition or position in the spotlight. So you see the, the overarching deal about the gift is I'm not seeking to do this for myself, but I, my overarching deal is to edify others so we can together build up a spiritual house. All right. Last, I believe it's the last one. I've oh, got a few more. All right. <clears throat> the gift of teaching. So I'll just read this bottom line. So the gift of teaching, the Holy Spirit gives certain people the spiritual gift of teaching so that they would help the church to fulfill her ministry as a pillar and a, a bolstress of the truth. Without this gift, the church would quickly fall into error and sin. Uh-oh. So what does I tell you about the church? They ain't got a lot of teachers because they're in a bunch of error and sin. We know sin is violation of Torah. So if Christianity, meaning the religion, not the person, because truly all of us in here really are Christian. You follow Christ. But I'm talking about the religion of Christianity. They're, they're void of teachers because they're in all this sin. And we should feel some kind of way about that. So your mama, your daddy, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, most of our families are in some sort of church or mosque, depending on what side of the world you're on. And they're more the teachers. So leading you into sin. The gift of tongues. The Holy, Holy Spirit gives some believers a spiritual gift of tongues to glorify God with help of an interpreter to edify the church. This gift is this gift is dealt with extensively in the scriptures and is used and it's used should not be discouraged. That said, it should be used properly with pure motives and intentions, of course, and the power and the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The gift of wisdom. Those with the gift of wisdom have a deep understanding of the holiness of God and the lack of holiness in their own hearts. They can recognize this in others as well and have the compassion and boldness to share the truth with them. They're able to take from their own life experiences and share what God has taught them through those things. They can easily recognize where a decision or action may lead and can warn against those that may be harmful or unfruitful. They can often see through the confusion of a situation and can give direction that would help an individual or group obtain God, obtain a God-glorifying goal. So the signs of a healthy house. So we looked at all the skills needed to build up the house because we have to build up the house because we just swept it clean and we can't leave it empty or that unclean spirit will return. So we have to fill it with spiritual gifts and we have to spirit fill it with the, with the, with the fruit of the spirit. And then in order, that is the frame. So uh, that is the foundation in order to build the frame. We have to have spiritual gifts because in order to build a spiritual house, we got to have spiritual gifts. In order to build a physical house, you got to have physical gifts. So so what is the sign of a healthy house? We, we've built the house up. Now, what's the signs of a healthy house? 
we read this today. I was like, dang, Rashadon took my thunder. No, I'm playing. <laughs> but Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. We're almost done. Romans chapter 12, 3 through 21. And it says, For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Your stuff stinks too. But to think soberly according as God hath dealt every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, here we go again, and all members have not the same office. So we all got to do the work. We all can't be crambling in one office trying to get one gift because we ain't going to build up nothing. So we, being many, are one body in Christ and every one member one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy. So if that's your gift, do it. Don't worry about other people. According to the, according to the uh, proposition of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. If your gift is ministry, minister. Don't worry about nobody else. Or he that teaches, te if your gift is teaching, teach. Don't worry about nobody else. Or he that exhorteth, exhortation. That's your gift, just do it. Don't worry about, oh, I ain't been here long enough. If he didn't reveal, I don't care if you've been here. You set up, you came up in here, you sat here for five minutes. And he spoke to you about your gift. But start working right now. We ain't got long. He may have put you in the situation and gave you in this particular building or wherever you're listening, listening at, wherever you worship. He may have put you there for a short time. <coughs> I remember a story, a young lady, uh, when we were in the Baptist church, one of many churches, <clears throat> she had came to the altar and gave her life to Christ. That was on a Sunday. On Wednesday, news, recognize her face because she was at the altar. She uh, lived in Carbondale. There's a, there's a hill, this huge hill by the uh, university. And if you're coming east in the morning, it's very, very hard to see because the sun is just like in your face because you're on top of this hill. Uh, the crazy thing about it is you, it's, it's a university town. So there's students, it's morning time, they're jogging, whatever. Chapter to be jogging, pickup truck, hit her. Boom, 45 miles per hour. Hit her so hard that the, the angle busted out his windows. She didn't make it. That was on Wednesday. So whatever she came up to the altar for, hopefully God spoke to her. And whatever she was supposed to do between Sunday night and Wednesday morning, she got it done. So again, when Maury says we ain't got a lot of time left, it ain't just about these end time prophecy stuff. You may not live, the, the, the Times Magazine said, if the, something don't, ain't done about Euphrates in two decades and all the water be dried up, you may not, you may not be in two decades. You may not make it 20 more years. Your time is now. What has he told you to do? Quit waiting. It's right now. It's not yesterday. It's not, it's not tomorrow. Right now. Do you have a gift of ministering? Minister. Prophecy? Prophesy. Miracles? Do miracles. I don't know what that looks like. Healing? Heal. Mercy? Be merciful. Giving? Be generous. Whatever it is, do it right now. And because you heard this word, guess what I know? As soon as you walk out that door, somebody going to test your gift. 
And yes, you are accountable. Yes, that is true, Kelly. But your gift gonna get tested. Whether it's from the time you leave this place and get to your house, or you wake up Sunday morning, you walking around Humboldt, Memphis, Jackson, wherever you at, that gift gonna get tested. Somebody gonna knock on your window. You got a dollar. You know you're supposed to give it. But guess what? I don't carry no money. But guess what I know? I know my gifting is ministry. So, so do I say, hey, brother, hey, sister, money I do not have. But I got something more for you. Let me put my hand on you and pray for you real quick. Or well, I'll be like, hey, man, get off my window. I got, I got, so I got to help my friend uh, pack the house up, help them move. Your gift will be tested because you heard this word. Just know. All right. Let's keep uh, keep reading. I don't even know where I was. That was for free. That wasn't even part of my stuff. stuff. Uh, let's see. Okay, we're done there. Verse 8. Right up to verse 8. All right. So, signs of a healthy house. So, we see a sign of a healthy house is people actually operating in their gifting. Because we can't just have a foundation, but we need a frame too. All right. So now that we have a foundation and a frame, how do we protect this house? All right. So you can have your foundation. You can have your frame. All the houses may look different. So we shouldn't be concerned whether it's a brick house, a house with siding, with white paint, blue paint. It doesn't matter. All right. I like talking metaphors, make it more clear. It does not matter if the house is a European house. African house, African-American house, South American house, it don't make a difference. If that house is built on, first of all, Torah, if that house is seeking the fruits of the spirit, if that house is willing to give up its gift, it should be accepted in all synagogues everywhere, no matter what it looked like. No matter if they were natural born citizens of Israel or if they was part of the mixed multitude, why does it matter? If God don't care, guess what? I don't either. So now that we have a foundation, a frame, how do we protect this house? All right. Um, let's see. That doesn't matter. All the houses will look different, but the security should be top notch for all of them. So let's go to Ephesians chapter six. And I'm going to get deep into Ephesians chapter 6. If you want more in Ephesians chapter 6, you can go on YouTube. Uh, Moray Kelly did a phenomenal sermon about this maybe a couple years ago. Um, that stuck with me still to this day. So Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So it's not just good enough to have a foundation, to have a slab or whatever, to have a frame. But once you do all that stuff and put your siding, a brick, whatever you're going to put on it, whatever it looks like, we have to have some type of protection. You have to. You have to. So for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So it ain't the white man. Uh Oh, he ain't your problem. It ain't your neighbor. He ain't the problem. It ain't them ghetto people in my neighborhood that's driving down my property taxes. They ain't your problem. 
We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So listen, I didn't put it up on here. I meant to put it up here. I forgot. But when I looked up the word high places, like, what is a high place? It could be anything. High place be anything. So I'm like, well, I know it ain't, in, it ain't, you know, I looked it up and said the heavens. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Can't be up in like the heavens of heavens because they can't, they can't mix. That's not a thing. They can't live there. They can't make a home there. They can visit. We see most, most you know, Satan visit there all the time. Hey, got somebody I need testing? Hey, I'll be a lion spirit for you. He all up in there. You know, like you, you watch basketball and you see the little petty basketball players trying to get up all into this, the other team's huddle. Satan doing that all the time. Hey, what, what y'all talking about? A, oh, okay, yeah, I, I, it's fine. I, I'll do it. 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 But we know he can't live there because it says he, every time he show up, Lucifer, is that you? Man, we ain't seen you a lot. Man, where you been? Man, you know me, shoot, just roaming through and about the earth, you know, shoot. Trying to see who I can jack up today, man. I don't know. You got somebody for me? Who in your Rolodex? So we know he don't live there, but he visits there. So what's a high place? So then it kind of broke it down and said, well, it's in the lower heavens. Whoa, what's a lower heaven? Y'all being too metaphorical. You know, I'm, I went to college, but I ain't finished, so you can help me out here. Uh, what's, a, what's a lower heaven? Oh, with the stars and the moon and the sky, the birds. That's the, almost there here with us. Oh, that's why Daniel was praying for help. The angel tried to come. He was like, hey, I was held up, homie. So that means I was coming down from heaven. When I came into the lower heaven, I got stopped. It's not my territory. So I had to wrestle for a while. My bad, I'm late, I'm sorry. I apologize, I'm here now though. What you need? So the lower heaven, so that means, that's why it can't just be prayer. Moray preached about a year and a half ago about how your prayers can be hindered because the evil spirits, the unclean spirits reside in the lower heaven. So when I'm trying to pray in my spirit, man, and lift that up, they can be blocking my stuff. That's why we have to also fast because our battle is not against the flesh and the blood, but is against the stuff that's hovering over your head that you can't see. We think we can't see it, but he also says he's a prince in the power of the air. So what air? All air. So we do see him. We see him through the crazy music we listen to, the foolish TV shows we listen, the crazy stuff on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. We see him in the influence of governments and wars and all this other stuff. Um, do you really, do you honestly think a human being in our 10% mind is smart enough to split an atom? Come on now. So we don't fight against the man. We fight against the spirit that's inhabiting that man. Because you know what happened to that man or that woman? At some, at some point, they had a clean house. Yeah. They didn't fill it up with nothing. Yeah. And now they're being controlled by an unclean spirit. Yeah. And sometimes unclean spirits look like great people. Yeah. Oh, man, Bill Gates. He's been doing great work. He loves the people. But how did he do a TED Talk in 2018 about a virus that didn't exist yet? Uh-oh. Um, there's a session every seven years, as we know. 
we know also about the Agenda 2030 that, that seeks to control all land in America, especially the rural land. Tell me why Bill Gates is the largest owner of land in America. But he's portrayed as something good. But he's being used by an unclean spirit to further an unclean agenda. Yeah. It ain't just him. So a bunch of people. I showed you the video of Elon Musk trying to make people merge with artificial intelligence. So if you read uh, uh, Genesis chapter 6, there's a reason why the Most High destroyed the earth. He don't go into depths. If you go into the hidden books, the Jashers and the Enochs of the world, they'll tell you, um, yeah, they was kicking it with fallen angels and having kids with them. And those kids was tearing up the earth, killing up stuff, tearing up stuff, tearing down stuff, killing beasts and men alike. So you know what? I got to start over. So if he destroyed the earth because we were mixing with angels, what do you think he's going to do when you start merging your body with technology? But Elon Musk, oh my God, he's a visionary. He's a man. He's just, he's a leader of leaders. He had an empty house that he didn't fill with the gifts. Now he's being controlled by unclean spirits to foster an unclean agenda, unfortunately. So we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the dark, darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girded with truth. See, I like this here. This is probably one of my favorite things. I understand it says take all the armor. I like this loins girded with truth thing. You know why? Do you understand what they had to do when they girded their loins? People just slip over that. Problem is, I'm a farmer. I ain't no warrior. I'm wearing farmer clothes. I got my robe on. I got my little plow. I'm chilling in my farm. But somebody come and try and take my farm. The most high, or the most high, say, hey, a Millicite is coming. Time to fight. So I can't run in my house, ooh, throw on my, my gabear, war clothes. I can't do it. So what I got to do, I got to tie that thing up. Get this thing nice enough so it's not a hindrance. I got to tie that robe up so it's not a hindrance to me. It's not in my way. I got to gird it up. So in that same imagery, like truth, I have to, with, with, with the truth, I have to get it and I have to make sure it's real close to my body so that when I move, Truth is moving with me. So now truth is not a hindrance to me, but it's a part of my walk. Ooh. See, the problem is, the problem is, the problem is, because we have lack of teachers and they telling people lies, truth is not girded up in them. So instead of truth being a part of their walk, it becomes a hindrance. It becomes a stumbling block because they choose for it to be, because your clothes are too loose. Gotta gird it up so it becomes a part of who you are. Truth should be a part. When I walk, truth should walk with me. That's not something I'm trying to go get, it's something I got. All right, y'all with me? All right. There we go. So here we go. Stand therefore, having your loins girded up with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. 
So my heart, the breastplate is closer. It protects my chest and everything in it. So my breath and my lungs and my heart, it should be, it should be righteous. And your feet sod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. Not dissension. Not debates. Not, well, uh, you're an African-American Jew and you're an Ashkenazi and you're a Sephardic and you're Ethiopian and well just because we have different backgrounds and maybe your ancestor did something to my ancestor we can't rock together no 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 the gospel of peace should bring us all together because our focus is all on the same house gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance, my, my, my big lips got stuck together, and supplication for all saints. So it's not it's not just enough to have a good foundation because your foundation, if it's exposed to the elements long enough, it's going to crack. It's going to be no good. Not just enough just to have your siding and your brick. Because like I said, my friend out in California, he's squatting real well. And there's squatter laws. Walked up in there because there wasn't nobody in there. You need security. You need armor. You need somebody guarding all this stuff. You have to protect this house. You have to protect this house. I remember uh, Under Armour came out before it was big. They had all them commercials with them nobodies until Vernon Davis jumped on. And the whole thing was, who's going to protect this house? Are you willing to protect this house? Am I willing to protect this house? Her house. Her house. Because we're all in this together. So if we all living in one neighborhood, you rob her house, you can rob my house. Cause we all trying to merge our houses together. One house. We through. So summary. Build the house. Clean the house. Protect the house. So Father, we thank you. We praise you for all that you've done. Father, we think we praise you even for our unfaithfulness. You continue to be shown faithful to us by giving us the gifts that we need to build up the house of the Yeshua, the Messiah, so that when he comes back, Father, he recognizes those who are of his. Father, we ask now that whatever unclean spirit that is attached to our soul, every unclean spirit that is attached to our physical home, our spiritual home, be driven out right now in the name of Yahshua. If there is something that is between us and Yah that resides in our home, whether it is in the form of a spirit or whether it is in the form of a physical person, I pray that number one, that that person be saved and you change their heart. But if that not be the case, I pray, I don't care if it's a spouse, I don't care if it's a sibling, I don't care if it's a parent. Uh, Father, I pray that you move that person out of the home of your saint so that your saint can be more intimate with you, Father. I pray now in the name of Yahshua that we no longer take our spiritual gifts that were given to us as anything 
anything that is taken for granted, Father. I don't care if you are an usher. I don't care if you can do miracles. I don't care if you prophesy. I don't care if you have mercy. But, problem, but, but Father, give us the boldness to walk in our gifting today because there's somebody that needs our gifting today. There's somebody that's hurting that needs somebody to prophesy into their life. There's somebody that's down and out that needs mercy. There's somebody that is lost that needs some direction. There's somebody that's been told lies all their life and they need a teacher. There's a place somewhere out in the sticks and the muck and the miry clay of some country old backside that nobody else wants to go to but you send your apostle to them so that they can know the gospel as well. Father, let us use our gifting today so that many others can be in the process of being saved, Father. Let us not neglect the word that we heard today, Father, but let us press into it that we may walk in our gifting because if we don't do the work, the house is delayed. And they may ask, Father, but you are the God of all gods. Your son is your son. How can a human being delay your work? We look into the Gospels so that when Yahshua went home, because folks didn't want to work, they chose to choose unbelief. The Son of God, the Ben Elohim, had zero power. I pray that we are not of the people of Nazareth, but we are the people that believe and walk so that when your son comes into this room, when you come into this room, you can work in all of your power. Help us build up this spiritual house because we cannot do it without you. It was you who gave uh, the brother his gifting of wisdom, understanding. It is you who dispenses the diversity of gifts without repentance. It is you who gives us the will to work. So, Father, I pray that we have the mind and the will to work from you, that we don't shut you off, but we listen to the Holy Spirit when it gives us unction to operate in our gifting, Father, so that this time next year, when we come to Unleavened Bread, that the gifting will be spread about all of West Tennessee, so it's not just Humboldt that is getting this good word, but it's all across West Tennessee, Father. And it's not about restoring the branches, Father, but I pray that we link up with other like-minded ministries, Father, so that we can link up together and build a big house, because it's not about us. We can only do so much by ourselves, but together we are unstoppable. So we thank and we praise you for these things, Father. In Yahshua HaMashiach's mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. All righty. Uh, it is only 6.53. Thank you for listening to Restoring the Branches Ministries. Our website is www.restoringthebranches.org. We're also on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You can also email us at restoringthebranches at gmail.com. Shalom.